Hope everyone out there is recovering from a rough uh, Ravens loss to the Chicago Bears as we welcome you into the Ebony Bird podcast, a solemn podcast here after the Ravens had one big in Oakland a week ago, you know, 30 to 17 win coming home and disappointing the home crowd uh, that wasn't even big in numbers to begin with. A 27 to 24 loss in overtime to the previously one and four Chicago Bears. We're here live on the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 And our two uh, site experts, Joe Schiller and Chris Chesler, are joining us. You can follow Chris on Twitter at FootballMan58 and Joe on Twitter uh, with Joe Schiller with two R's. All the links are down in the description below. And, of course, uh, check us out on EbonyBird.com and this iTunes. You're listening to this podcast through either iTunes or SoundCloud or, excuse me, Block Talk Radio, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. If you do, uh, we will read it on a future uh, edition of the podcast. And as we put on Twitter, on at Ebony underscore Bird, uh, we are going to get into some, into some questions that you guys sent in on today's episode. Uh, but real quickly, before we get into the game, be sure to download the Ebony Bird app from the iTunes App Store, uh, along with checking out all of our articles on EbonyBird.com. Lots of content here. You can go on the the, the app on both your uh, iPad or your phone, breaking down the Joe Flacco situation brought to you today. Also, Baltimore Ravens, two problems that could have been avoided in the Bears game. And then another uh, posted early this morning, the Baltimore Ravens lack any kind of red zone threat. These are just the recent articles posted, all of these coming to you today. So there are multiple posts every single day, our site experts. And all of our contributors at Ebony Bird work extremely hard uh, to provide you content, Ravens content, each and every day brought to you by Fans Sighted. Um, so, fellas, let's get into it now. We were at the game at m Bank Stadium on Sunday, uh, getting together, meeting each other. Um, me meeting both you guys for the first time in person. I know you guys had been together a couple of times prior, but uh, finally good meet in person, and it was like we had, you know, it was like catching up. It wasn't like talking for the first time because, we, you know, we were just talking Ravens football like we do on the podcast uh, for a half hour or an hour every week, and it was great to do that for three hours despite the outcome at M&T Bank Stadium. So um, certainly had a good time with you guys up in the up in the nosebleeds. But breaking down the game, you know, uh, we'll go to Chris and then Joe. Really disappointing. We, I mean, we were. It seems like we've been on a roller coaster of emotions over the past uh, few weeks. You know, we were about to. You know, we were on top of the world last week, and now we're sitting here after a one and four team before Sunday. That you know, one of the worst teams in football if you look at the roster. Um, and the Ravens looked like one of the worst teams in football on Sunday. But the, the entire NFL is crazy, but, man, real disappointing, tough one here to swallow. The Baltimore Ravens made the easiest game on their schedule difficult, and I apologize for being a little hoarse. I lost my voice at the game. Um, I was trying to root on the Ravens' defense because I knew the offense was going to do a damn thing. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna mention, Chris. We gotta, um, you know, get you into the Ravens facility to be like a personal trainer or something. Like you were really firing, you would really fire them up. I, I, well, I feel when you're at the game, your your job is to make life hell on the opposing quarterback and the offense. Um, I mean, I, I just, I, I have such a passion for Ravens football. I'm gonna go nuts whether uh, people are shuffling in in the second quarter or not. I'll tell you this right now. This game could have been a lot easier. We made it difficult. I think the number one takeaway, though, is that Baltimore Ravens have problems that did not go away. There is no quick fix to any of these problems. You have no wide receivers. You, your 
best player is Alex Collins. You don't want to give him the ball. And honestly, the offense had every opportunity to win this game. This game was there for the taking. The Bears tried to give Beppet how many times. And, I mean, we had two kick returns for a touchdown, a punt and a kick return for a touchdown. We got the ball after a three and out in overtime, after a horrible punt. And we still couldn't win the game. How many times do the Bears have to give you help? tested in the Baltimore Ravens because, yes, they know they've had these problems all season long, but they stepped right into them today or Sunday. They did not They did not have a plan. It did not seem like they knew what they were doing. And, you know, people want to complain about this defense. Well, they need to stop it. This offense throws the entire this defense to get staked in their for free the rest of the night just by Joe Flacco's freaking contract. I mean, come on. This offense is atrocious. The offense deserves to, to spoil the defense because the defense is doing every single bit of the work and the special teams. Yeah, I wouldn't go far to say the offense might be one of the worst in the league, if not the worst in the league. I mean, it was just horrid to watch. I mean, while we were at the game, they couldn't even score against the Bears. I mean, they put up three points. Or it was seven points in the first half. I mean, it's just it's just it's just hard to watch when we're up there. I mean, if it wasn't for the two special teams touchdowns, this game's a blowout against a one and four team who had no business ever being in this game in the first place. And like we talked about, if this was a better team like the Steelers or the Patriots or someone else, like this game would have been close. It would have been an absolute blowout. I mean, we're lucky that the Bears were as terrible as they were, and the Ravens were basically gift-wrapped in this game in overtime and still couldn't even take advantage of it. The offense is terrible. Jeremy Macklin's absence is huge, and that shouldn't be a thing if you have a decent offense. But Mike Wallace is nothing more than a deep threat, it seems, and Rashad Perryman only took him a, a quarter to get knocked out of the game, and he wasn't doing much before that. And we saw Max Williams come back. He fumbles and gets injured on the same ankle he just came back from. I mean, Ben Wallace might be your best receiving threat, and every defense knows that, and they're just on him when the Ravens run two- and three-yard tight end outs every single play. So, I mean, it's not like there's really any passes going to the middle. And this run game went over 100 yards again, but they're not getting into the end zone. So what does it even mean? I mean, the Ravens aren't getting into the red zone anyway, so they're not having a chance to actually run the ball. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I got back from this was just Braden Williams. I mean, if anyone ever complained about signing him to all that money in the offseason. Well, look at it now. I mean, without him, this team, the front um, the front seven is really struggling. I mean, we talked about how deep this um, defensive line is, but they're not up to the town of Brandon Williams. I mean, C.J. Mosley is able to find his holes because Brandon Williams is the one up there plugging holes. And with Michael Pearson, when Williams isn't there, it's just not the same. And, I mean, Brandon's run defense really wasn't that bad if you take away the big Jordan Howard run in overtime. But we watched on, like, first and second down. They're just getting six and seven yards consecutively. And when you're able to keep sustaining drives like they were with, with, like they were with the run game, Mitch Trubisky doesn't have to do anything. I mean, they were improperly balanced for the right reasons. They didn't let Mitch Trubisky do anything. He was 8 for 16 for 113 yards and a touchdown, which is really terrible if you think about it. But when you run the ball 54 times, you don't need to do that. They made all the right plays. The Ravens screwed things up in overtime. I can't believe Eric Weddle just did not tackle Jordan Howard around the edge. I mean, that was a killer and stuff. And even Tony Jefferson on that play of the Tariq Cohen um, running back 
pass. I mean, this, this, everything went wrong for the Ravens and they were still in this game somehow. And when you're a team and you fight all the way back and to get into overtime and then lose, I mean, that's just, it's just a terrible feeling. And I'm, I'm sure it's just a gut wrenching loss to come back from on Monday. And now they're on the road against a very good NFC North team that I know we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I know this isn't on our rundown, but one thing that I think we do need to bring up, you talked about Weddle and his tackling issues. I've heard on a couple times on, you know, talk radio and on podcasts now that there's nothing that's been reported, but there's some people that are suspecting if he's playing through a shoulder injury of some sort right now. And honestly, the way the injuries have gone on in this, in, on this team, that wouldn't shock me at all, but that is something to keep an eye out for. Um, but moving on to other injuries, we, uh, as we alluded to, two big ones again um, on offense as Bashad Perryman and Max Williams, two early 2015 draft picks, leave the game. Uh, Perryman basically got knocked out in between two Bears defenders after he almost caught a pass. Um, so he leaves in the second quarter and goes without recording a reception. So he still only has four receptions this season. He probably won't play this weekend against Minnesota. And then Williams, who had been in a walking boot for a couple weeks ago and has had a reconstructive knee surgery among countless other leg and ankle injuries, uh, catches a pass and fumbles it and probably fumbled it out of pain because it looked like he aggravated the ankle or foot in or whatever injury it was um, or had a different issue to the other leg. We don't really know yet. There hasn't been a lot of details given out. Um but injuries, again, mounting up, and we saw throughout the game that Flacco, a lot of people were alluding to how the loss can't be put on him because of the uh, lack of plays made by receivers and drops and not being able to hold onto the football leading to interceptions. Yeah, I mean, the receivers really let them down, and we thought coming into the game, if Macklin had to sit out this game, it wouldn't be a huge deal, but that proved to be a very big deal. Um, Wallace disappeared. He was getting most of the attention on def- by defenses. And Perryman, even though he got injured in the second quarter, once again, um, doesn't even make a play prior to that when it, when he got a perfect opportunity to start. And I was saying it to you guys during the game, and I've been saying it for a long time now, and I've heard it from other people as well. He's just not a football player. He's a fast guy, and he was able to do what he did in college, but it's clear that his body is not... I mean, th- this hit that he took in particular wasn't his fault, but he's not built like a prototypical big-bodied NFL receiver um, really one-dimensional, not a great route runner, and even before he came out, wasn't getting a lot of separation. Um, Williams has been a little bit more impressive, um, although the, all the injuries that he's sustained have slowed him down a lot. But um, again, injury bug, we, it's like we talk about it every week to the Ravens, it hits them again and again. Um, and we were discussing at one point that the injuries become too much. We've talked about that at length. We'll go to Joe and Chris first. Uh, you know, I don't really think there's anything else you can say about this other than it just keeps happening. I don't know what the solution is. It's like beating a dead horse. Um, I don't. What do you guys think about this? I really don't know what else I could say at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much else you can say. The Ravens have pretty much played without these two anyway. I mean, Williams has been hurt, and Brashad Perryman is just a non-factor on the field anyway, so it's basically like they're playing without him. I mean, there's really nothing to say. I mean, these were two of the few offensive draft picks that the Ravens have made since the 2012 Super Bowl year, and they both have been complete boss. I mean, I think we can pretty much say that now. I mean, Williams was an early second-round pick. Perryman was a late first-round pick, and they have these high expectations coming into the draft, and they've lived nowhere near to them. So, I mean, there's really not much else you can say. I mean, they're, both of them are nearing the rookie, end of their rookie contracts in the next couple of years, and you figure the Ravens are just going to move on from them because what else are you going to do? You can't have players – 
who are just injury-prone and non-factors on the field, you might as well start looking at other talent because you're not going to pay these guys once it comes. They're already stuck. They're already caught on cap space anyway paying all these veterans. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just, it's just being a dead horse. I mean, the injuries are there, and these guys have been non-factors either way. Yeah, the, the problem with Perryman, as one of my friends was telling me, and it makes a lot of sense, Perryman can't keep speed when he cuts routes. He can't change directions. He can't keep his speed through a turn. And that's that's the big problem right now. He's a horrible route runner. Horrible. Um, oh, and by the way, he can't catch a football. He, it's kind of crucial to his job. I, I don't know. I, I'm done with, I, I don't care anymore. I'm done. Uh, I will say this. Roddy Stanley was the only offensive player in the recent drafts that the Ravens have gotten into the first few rounds and have done anything for this team. Where would the Ravens be if they didn't draft Stanley? You look at the offensive line injuries this year. If we do not have Stanley, we are just I mean, this could be even worse. Um, actually, can it? Can it be worse? I don't know. It's horrible. This offense is horrible. And when you don't draft anybody on offense and you refuse to spend money in free agency on a Brandon Marshall, on a Pierre Garçon. A Pierre Garçon, is that too much to ask? Oh, my goodness. And they don't have the talent, which is one thing, but another thing that they've struggled with this year and in prior seasons is the lack of urgency, especially in crunch time. We mentioned uh, the last play of the football game, Flacco had a short pass to Mike Wallace that got them to the Chicago 40-yard line on a 16-yard play. And then they go into overtime and go three and out and have to punt the ball back to the Bears, who did get the ball first in overtime. Um, But trading punts and then the Bears go right down the field and kick the game-winning field goal. Um, that's really been an issue that we beat like a dead horse again. Um, and there's not really, there doesn't really seem to be a solution going on, which goes into our next topic. Is this offense fixable and how much of it falls on Marty Morningwig? I don't know how much of the blame falls on him with the lack of talent he's playing with right now. Um, but again, like we, we see this, like those stupid pitch plays that, that the, where Flacco just lobs the ball out to the running back and he's always tackled for a one or two yard loss. The uh, running from shotgun formation, they just don't have the offensive line, the power up front to do that. Um, we'll go to Chris first, and then Joe. How much blame? I mean, we I've kind of played with this blame question a little bit ever since this loss, but this is kind of just solely uh, focusing in on the offense instead of the entire team and organization. Um, is the offense fixable to you? And then um, how much blame falls on Morningwig, and how much blame falls on Flacco? And how much blame, even though there's nothing they can do to help it, goes on the injuries? Um, I think the blame falls pretty squarely on Avi Newsom, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we have no talent on this wide receiving core. And your best player, you got off the practice spot, Alex Collins. So Ozzie Newsom's pretty much more at fault than anyone. But Morningwood can't do much of anything with – the lack of weapons. Uh, Joe Flacco is not going to lift this team up by himself. If the Ravens fault for thinking that investing in a quarterback is all they had to do on offense, uh, especially when that quarterback is proven not to be an Aaron Rodgers, not to be a Tom Brady. So 
I, I think the blame, blame doesn't go on Morning Wake. I think if you want to say Morning Wake has no ideas and fresh ideas would be fun, yeah, they would be. Um, I think Morning Wake is one of the least creative men on the entire planet. I think you could put Morning Wake in a room with the most boring person in the world, and the most boring person in the world might have a more interesting idea. Um, Morning Wake isn't a good offensive coordinator, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Joe Flacco's not playing well. The offensive line, the guards are problematic right now. The tackles in the center are not really that big of a problem. Um, I just I don't know what you're going to do. You you put the ball right in Chris Morris' hands, right in the red zone, and it goes the other way because you can't you can't catch the football. Yes, it was a tight window, but you're an NFL wide receiver. I don't care. Um, I don't. I don't catch the ball. That's your job. It's it's kind of like, you know, if I'm working in a grocery store and I, you know, don't, I'm like, I'm just not going to put things on the shelf today. That's my job. Like, I don't understand how wide receivers get paid when they can't catch the ball. It's literally what they do. They receive passes. Are you kidding me? Catch the ball. But anyway, I'm starting to go on the tangent. I just, I, you want to blame Morning Wake? Fine. He's not doing a good job. But who would? Yeah, I mean, Marty Morning Wake is a terrible play caller, but he's really not getting much help with who he's calling plays with. I mean, the wide receivers are terrible. We're two top quote-unquote wide receivers are hovering around the age of 30. Your third wide receiver who you expect to be your number one guy is in his third year and can't stay healthy or catch the football to save his life, and the rest of your wide receiver core is virtually non-existent. I mean, no one else could probably name any of those wide receivers. Your two running backs are a guy that was scratched, was a healthy scratch in like four or five games last year, and your top running back's a guy who you signed off the practice squad. I mean, what do you expect? You have Joe Flacco, who's thrown four TDs and eight interceptions this year. I mean, it, I mean, this offense is set up for failure. I mean, you, there's, I don't think you can fix it this year. This is something that you might really have to blow it all up and really start re, um, rethinking everything and really kind of drafting young talent, which I think they'll do next year. But I think Marty Morningway just goes down with the ship by default. There's nothing really he can do. He was put in this situation and he's not really helping, but he's not really getting help on his other, on his end either. So, I mean, this, this office is terrible and it's, I don't think it's anything that's going to be fixed this season. It's going to be a narrative we're talking about, um, the entire season as they come up against better defenses like we'll see this Sunday. They're going to struggle. Well, we're going to move on to another coach, um, that's on the Ravens, uh, roster and he's a very important one. That'd be head coach John Harbaugh. We'll shoot over to Joe first and then Chris the opposite direction this time. How short is Harbaugh's leash going forward? I mean, um, we kind of talked about this a little bit on Sunday. He, there's no doubt that he's done wonders for this organization, for the city of Baltimore. But um, at the same time, when he came into the Ravens organization in 2008, he inherited a very talented uh, bunch, especially on defense with guys like Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nada, all those guys. Uh, really inherited a talented roster and a rookie quarterback that caught fire. They got a really talented running back in Ray Rice. Their offensive line always did their job. Marshall Yonda in the prime of his career, the best uh, physical years he's had. 
And then they had weapons on offense like Todd Heap, Derek Mason, uh, and Quan Bolden. They were really loaded, um, really all over the, the entire, the entire field. And then you had Billy Cundiff had a great season. Matt Stover was with them at the end, at the, on Harbaugh's first year. And then Justin Tucker comes in and we saw what he's done. But at, at what point does the message in the locker room and the, everything that you preach day in and day out, year round really in the NFL, just become an old message, and I think we're starting to see. I mean, we asked the question about urgency, the offense having urgency. What if they're just not motivated? What if this coaching staff just isn't getting it done anymore? Um, all the all these things you consider when your team loses to one four football team at home and now has the worst record at home than they do on the road, which has been really the opposite of what they've been so famous for over the last few seasons. How short is John Harbaugh's leash here, uh, Joe, and then Chris? I don't know, because, I mean, Steve Bissotti is just a very loyal guy when it comes to Harbaugh. I mean, I feel like Harbaugh, when Harbaugh won the Super Bowl in 2012, I feel like that really bought him a lot of time. I mean, if you take away the 2014 year, they're missing the playoffs four years in a row. And, I mean, the way it looks, they're missing, they're going to miss the playoffs this year. So that'd be um, four out of the last five years, and that's just inexcusable. I mean, 10 years for a head coach is a long time. I mean, he's one of I think other than him and Tomlin and Belichick, he's one of the high, longest tenured coaches in the league. And coaches, are, I heard it on 105.7 say, coaches are hired to be fired. I mean, at a time, like, no matter how good a coach is, like, their time's going to come up. They can't coach forever. And you don't, you only get a Belichick so very often. And, I mean, he's won, what, five Super Bowls. Starball's won one. That's a completely different situation. I mean, we're not beat reporters, so we don't know really what the mood is like in the locker room. We just hear from the guys from the podium. But with Harbaugh every week, no matter how bad they play, it just seems like there's just so many excuses. He's, I, I was listening to his press conference the other day, and it's, it's one of those ones where every week it's like, if it weren't for like five or six plays, we'd be, we would, we were playing great football. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, of course, those five or six plays are the ones that determine the game. Like, of course you're going to say that. It's just like, it's just, to me, it seems old, and obviously I'm not a player, but I, I don't know. I mean, after this year, if they miss the playoffs, I mean, does Steve Scotty have the balls to, to fire him? I don't know. I mean, they, I think it's time for a change. I mean, he's been here for a while, and after a while, I feel like it just gets old with the players. So I'm not really sure. I would say if, if they miss the playoffs, I think his lease is short. And even the, the, the fact that they give him an extension doesn't matter. I mean, we saw that with Jeff Fisher last year. They can fire people on the spot. But I think his lease is pretty short. And the way they're looking this year, it's, it's just not good. Yeah. Um... I think every coach has an expiration date. I've always believed that. Um, and I think of John Harbaugh the same exact way I think of Brian Bullock. Brian Bullock was a great coach. He had a great run. It was over. John Harbaugh, great coach. Great run. It's over. We're living in the past if we think he can fix it. He's not going to fix it. It's not happening. Every day, every week, it's just Oh, well, I'm going to say nothing's wrong, despite everything being wrong. It's that me with the dog in the burning house. If this is fine, no, it's not fine. This is awful. John Harbaugh is gone at the end of this year. Or my sanity is just, and I love John Harbaugh. I will always respect and admire John Harbaugh. But at what point do you just have to say, let's stop sticking her head from banging it into the wall? I, I laughed out loud when I was listening to his press conference yesterday, and he was talking about the play at the end of the game, and he said, 
it was like 12 seconds left. And he's like, yeah, if we had 18 seconds, like we would have been able to clock the ball and, and uh, kick a field goal. I was like, yeah, I'm sure you would. But the thing is we had 12 seconds left and you threw a pass over the middle to Mike Wallace and we didn't even have time to clock the ball. I don't know who in their right mind calls a, pl- a play over the middle when you should have just thrown an out to try to get a field goal at the end with the best kicker in the league. I just don't get it. It just baffles me. And one more point of that, if they're such a well-coached team, then why does Mike Wallace not go down and give us a chance? That's a coaching error. I'm sorry. Or why does or why does Joe Flacco throw a pass three yards in front of the line of scrimmage? Oh, that's a, that's that's a good I, one. That's I a think, good one. Yeah, I think maybe it was. I think if, I don't know if even that the play was called like that. Maybe Flacco did that because. I don't know, but it seemed it just it was just I just laughed when he was like, "Yeah, if we had 18 seconds, that would have been a great play." And I was like, "All right, I mean, I'm sure it would have been, but like we just it's it's just I just baffled." Well, the the Flacco play is a dumb thing to do for a player, and the call was a dumb thing to do if you're an NFL coach. Moving on here on the Ebony Bird podcast again, I'm your host Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95, and our two site experts joining us this evening, Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller. Chris is footballman58 on Twitter. Joe is Joe Schiller with two R's. And again, Ebony underscore Bird is our Twitter handle. And check out us, check us out at emilybird.com and the Ebony Bird app, as well as the podcast on iTunes. Again, moving on, uh, we are going to talk about some other issues before we dive into the Vikings game a little bit. The Ravens today, even though we're about midway through uh, the regular season now, taking a team picture, I don't know why they don't do that at the, at the beginning of the season instead of now, um, but really depressing to look at that and see the guys. I mean, you can't see them uh, visibly because they're all standing together. Uh, Terrell Suggs wore the Bane mask, which I thought was kind of funny, although I think as a, as a team they should be focusing more on getting wins instead of looking good for the cameras and putting on Bane masks when it has nothing to do with the team at all. But um, it really is depressing before we get into the attendance to look at that team picture today and see all the guys that aren't playing right now who are in the trainer's room uh, with whether it's Yonda, whether it's Alex Lewis, uh, whether it's Danny Woodhead, whether it's uh, whether it's Brent Urban, the list of just the season-ending injuries they've they've had just goes on and on and on. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there, I mean there is to say about that. Talking about the injuries again, but just seeing that uh, that kind of made me feel that that way today. How did you guys feel? Did you get a chance to look at any of that stuff yet? Yeah, I, I got to see that, and I completely agree with that that was really sad. But then I think about it, and I'm like, look at all these other injuries that um, teams have had. Like, think about your Packers fans, the team actually in contention, and you're losing Aaron Rodgers. That's like getting a life sucked out of you. So hopefully the Ravens can get everyone back and healthy. And I mean, they're not in contention anyway, so. Yeah, I wonder if Perryman knew where he was when they were taking pictures today. <laughs> Is the <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny. <laughs> Moving on now, um, our next topic <laughs> is the, the attendance problems at M&T Bank Stadium. We were talking about it all on Sunday. Really, I think it's been an issue um, dating back to ever since they uh, won the Super Bowl and got rid of all their they lost all their star players like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Um, here we're gonna go. We're gonna talk about this. Um, aside from it being the the one in four Bears coming to town, um, other than that being a factor, here are some of the factors that I think are happening. And then we'll go to Chris and over to Joe. There's, I think, there's four things here. Uh, the anthem protests. That's a very small uh, amount of fans, but it's still a few that are boycotting it right now. Um, the home experience you get watching Sunday Ticket and streaming at home, not only getting the Ravens game, but getting all the other games at the same time and having Wi-Fi, uh, reliable Wi-Fi to check fantasy stats all the time. Um, 
The loss of big-name players, as I alluded to, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Ray Rice, Lodi Nada, Bolden, Torrey Smith, Jacoby Jones, uh, Doomerville, you know, all those big players that were big names. And then the team has just been mediocre over the past few seasons. They've been a 500 or below team since they've won the Super Bowl. Uh, those four things, I think, go into it. Do you guys have anything else that you think goes into it? Or is, do you have anything to add on to those? Where are you guys on this on this attendance problem? Well, I think we're a little spoiled. Um, I, I think we were desperate for football to come back when the Ravens came. We won a Super Bowl four years into it. Then 12 years later, we won a Super Bowl after being so close every year. Um, you know, I think we're a little spoiled. I, I think we're mad that fan-favorite players have left. I mean, I was talking to a guy today who was still whining about Aquan Bolden. Um, I, I was like, yeah, but what does that have to do with a 2017 Ravens team? But, I mean, we're still whining about Aquan Bolden and Torrey Smith not being here. I agree that they got rid of Bolden too early, but now is too, is too late for him to even, you know, make a difference if he were on the team now. Like, I think everyone agrees that the Bolden trade didn't work out for the Ravens, but still, it, get over it. Um, move on to right now. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of problems with fans' expectations being high and the product being low. I just, there's a part of me that wishes we'd be a little more like Buffalo Bills fans. Uh, when's the last time you saw Orchard Park called? Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, they're, like, even before the game, they're just, like, destroying everything and, like, setting fires and doing just insane stuff you would never think about. But, um, yeah, I think I, I you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, even ticket prices have gone up, and I've seen people say, like, why would I pay to go to an expensive game when the product on the field is just mediocre? Like, I don't want to go watch the Ravens score zero offensive touchdowns and lose to the Bears. I mean, who wants to go do that? I mean, like, even, like, the um, the intros we were talking about, it's just not the same watching them. I mean, it's fun to watch Terrell Suggs do his thing on the defensive side, but, like, when they when introduce the offense, like, who, who are you excited to see run out of the tunnel? I mean, Flacco, they, all they say is, introducing your Super Bowl MVP Flacco, Joe Flacco, that happened, like, five years ago. Like, who cares anymore? Why is that? Like, that's just, like, claim to fame now. And, like, I miss the Ray Lewis dance. And, like, the best thing is Terrell Suggs putting on the Bane mask. But, I mean, even then the Ravens just went out and got the butts kicked by the Steelers. But, it's yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's just a lot of mediocrity on the field. And who, who are you excited about to go watch in the field? I mean, there's not an Odell Beckham. There's not an Aaron Rodgers on their center. I mean, like Chris said, I think we got spoiled when we started winning, and, we're, and when we haven't made the playoffs three out of four years. Fans aren't going to come. Completely agreed. And, you know, we talk about the uh, attendance problems. The Ravens aren't the only uh, team in Baltimore that's experienced an attendance decline. The Orioles, you know, even though they've been in contention the past several seasons, they're having some problems as well, but they're a completely different ball game and a completely different league of their own. Um, we were I mean, we were even talking about it on Sunday. You know, we were talking about how much of a good time we had personally getting to meet each other and you know spend three hours talking about the Ravens. But you know, you guys brought up a good point that fans don't want to pay their money to see mediocre football. I mean, we had a good time regardless. But like, there were certain points like you're just sitting there in the stands and you're thinking to yourself, I would much rather be you know in my in my house right now or in my apartment 
watching Sunday Ticket and watching the other good teams in the NFL actually play, uh, trying to actually look like they're trying to win a game instead of sitting in an MIT Bank Stadium watching the Ravens uh, blow, you know, the, the five gift-wrapped gift sealed games that the Bears were giving them. Um, so, yeah, that is a really good point. And speaking of, you know, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Uh, man, just the latest slew of injuries in the NFL. Um, there are a lot of things hurting the league right now. There's a lot going on. I mean, the anthem protests have certainly had an impact on viewership. Uh, ratings are down right now. And then it's just, you know, we had J.J. Watt last week. Uh, we had Odo Beckham last week. We had Brandon Marshall, like the entire Giants receiving core go down. And then it continues this week with Aaron Rodgers going down, suffering the second broken collarbone of his career. Uh, and this time it's to his throwing shoulder. So it looks like he's going to miss an extended period of time longer than he had a couple years ago when the, he won the division for Green Bay. It looks like it could be a season ender. But there are a lot of injuries in the NFL right now, and there there's not that many big names. There's not that many stars right now. Like Aaron Rodgers, why do you turn on a Giants game to see what Odell Beckham Jr. does? Why do you turn on a Green Bay Packers game to see what Aaron Rodgers does? It was just last week that he took apart the Dallas Cowboys again, and he he owns the Cowboys. And, I mean, not only does it hurt the entire league from a stardom perspective, it completely changes the outlook in the NFL, especially in the NFC. I mean, you look around the NFC now, Green Bay was a perennial Super Bowl contender before this happened. I mean, the Lions, they just got, they lost to the Saints. Who's going to step up in the NFC South? I mean, the, the Falcons lost to the freaking Dolphins on Sunday. The, the Seahawks, the NFC West is weak. I mean, you look at you look at the NFC right now, and I don't see any other team that could compete with Philadelphia right now, especially that they um, defeated the Panthers last week. I could have made the argument that Car- that uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers could have taken them down, but now the Packers don't have Rodgers, and it looks like the Eagles are the forefront in the NFC, and the and the AFC is much more wide open. But um, man, that Rodgers injury—that's a, a complete game changer in the NFL. We'll go to. Uh, Joe first, and then Chris. Yeah, it's it pretty much vault the Vikings up into the first place in the NFC North. I mean, there's they're playing the NFC North playing with essentially like three backup quarterbacks now, which is pretty crazy to think about. And even the AFC West is not as good as we thought. I mean, the Raiders are just spiraling out of control. The Broncos lost to the Giants, who have even worse receiver problems than the Ravens. They just have no receivers. And then the Chiefs are really the um, best team in the AFC right now, I feel like you could say, and they lost to the Steelers on the road. I mean, there's just so much parity going on right now. And you could argue that the best player and a lot of the most important positions are out right now. You have Rodgers out, you have David Johnson out, Odell Beckham out, J.J. Watts out. I mean, like you said, like those are the best players in the NFL, and people tune in to watch those guys. So when they're out, I mean – are people going to tune in as many games? I don't know. I mean, the NFL, I'll still watch the NFL. Like we said, when the NFL is bad, it's still good to watch. It's still fun to watch. Like, I still like going to Raven teams even though they suck right now. But, I mean, for some people who just tune in to watch those players and follow their fantasy teams and stuff, when stuff like that happens, they're not going to tune in. And it might not seem like a big deal to people who watch football every Sunday, but for those people who tune in just to watch those players, I mean, that's a good chunk of people who aren't watching. I actually think the NFL gets a bad rap. I think you watched the Monday night game last night. It was entertaining. Uh, who thought, you know, the, the whole headline is, oh, Jacoby Brissett is going to go in, play the tight end, nobody cares. It was a good game. Uh, Thursday night football, you know, Patriots-Buccaneers was a good game. It was close all the way until the end of the game 
which is all I really asked for. Panthers-Eagles was a great Thursday night game. I mean, you've seen good football in primetime games, I think, this year. I think the NFL is getting a bad rap. A lot of the product is enjoyable. Maybe it's just that I'm a football nerd and I don't need Odell Beckham to be on the field to enjoy football. But, um, you know, I mean, I definitely want to see the stars. I definitely want to see Aaron Rodgers when I turn on the Green Bay Packers uh, game. But I, I, I wouldn't say that the NFL is unenjoyable right now. I think the biggest problem the NFL has is that college football is insanely enjoyable right now. You look at college football, the beauty of college football is you got five plates of games starting throughout the day. And you, you got the 12 o'clock, 3, 3 o'clock, you got 6, 7, 8, 10, 30 games. I mean, you've got football all day long. And if one game sucks, you get a million games. And they're all just on your cable package. Like, you don't even need to have Sunday tickets or, like, a, a package like Sunday Ticket to enjoy all this college football. The biggest problem the NFL has isn't that the product is bad. The college football is amazing right now. We are the Ebony Bird Podcast. Again, I'm contributor Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Again, our two side experts, Chris Schessler, footballman58 on Twitter, and Joe Schiller, uh, Joe Schiller with two R's on Twitter. Taking a look at the Vikings game, uh, week seven coming up this week, the Ravens heading to Minneapolis to take on uh, the Vikings, who picked up a big win against the Packers on Sunday. And it, and it really is surprising uh, without, you know, starting quarterback Sam Bradford not having Case Keenum in there that the Vikings are going to 4-2. and two. And it sounds like they could possibly have Teddy Bridgewater down the line here if he's able to make it back after that gruesome knee injury he suffered a couple years ago in training camp last year. Uh, but, man, the Ravens going up there, 1 o'clock start on Sunday. Uh, really big matchup here with the Ravens offense taking on the Minnesota Vikings defense. If we're looking in the NFL, uh, the Minnesota Vikings have given up the fifth fewest yards in the NFL as as a unit, and then they have the third-ranked rushing defense in the NFL. And against the Ravens offensive line, it will be uh, a big story to see how the running game does and how much time Flacco has uh, how much time Flacco has to throw against this formidable front. I mean, if the Ravens struggled at home against the Bears last week, it's a very nice new stadium the Vikings play in. It's always a tough place to play. The last time I remember talking to you guys about this at the game that the Ravens played in Minnesota, the year Brett Favre played there, uh, that was the Steve Hauschka game, I think, where he missed the game-winning field goal. So, you know, first time that the Ravens have played there in eight years. So can the Ravens stop the run? Again, the Vikings, their top running back, Dalvin Cook, is out for the season, meaning um, that their top running backs, I mean, some guys, you know, on the roster are the Tavis Murray. Uh, so, I mean, not big-name running backs. If Brandon Williams plays again, uh, that could be big. I don't know how much he's going to play or how effective he's going to be, but uh, without a big-name running back, the Vikings, you know, even if if it is, Latavius Murray getting the bulk of the snaps on Sunday. If the Ravens don't have Brandon Williams, we've just seen how bad that can get. Um, so we'll go to Chris first, and then Joe. What do you expect this Sunday, and who do you think is going to come out on top? Well, here's the thing. What would be more Ravens than losing the game at home against the bad Bears team, and then winning a game in Minnesota that no one thinks you should win? I mean, I could see it, but. The matchup is horrible for the Ravens. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, 
and they have a great defensive line. Uh, Anthony Barr and company, Eric Hendricks, is, their linebacking core is just fantastic. They have a great secondary, and we have a horrible offense. I mean, moving the ball on the road you know, against a crowd that actually cares in a brand-new stadium, oh, that's not, that's not a game I want to watch. Like, if I could just, like, if I was a Ravens fan, I would not tune into this game. Um, I think the Ravens' defense can make things happen. I think uh, the Ravens can run the ball on the Vikings, but without any passing game, you're not going to run the ball. Um, and if you get behind a million points because the offense can't do a damn thing and the defense is on the, on the field for 45 minutes out of a 60-minute ball game, well, I mean, what are you going to do? So I, I see another rough loss for the Ravens coming, but what would be more Ravens than beating the Vikings team after not being able to beat them? I don't know. I don't know what to expect. This team is going to be frustratingly good enough to keep horrible, and that's what that's what scares me. I feel like the Ravens, I mean, obviously the game against Oakland was a fluke, and I don't think this game against the Vikings is going to be a fluke. I think the Ravens are going to get destroyed. I would be surprised if they put up maybe more than two touchdowns. This Vikings defense is very good, and their offense has had some struggles, but with how well the defense is playing, they've been able to rely on them. Like you touched, Anthony Barr's good. Their front seven with Deverson Griffin and Linval Joseph even up front against the Ravens. Um, offensive line is going to be a huge problem, and the their secondary is, on, is arguably their strength of their defense, and with how terrible the wide receivers and Joe Flacco have been playing, I mean, it's just it's just a recipe for disaster. I think Flacco could be in for another one to two interception game, whether it's his fault or not. And Case Keenum's quietly played really well. I mean, I feel like a lot of the focus has been on Sam Rapper's injuries and Teddy Bridgewater coming back, but Case Keenum has put this Vikings team in position to win games. And even without Dalvin Cook, Jerrica Ken stepped up. He's the kind of a dual threat back, and especially in the passing game too. And if Stephon Dace can be healthy, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch him and Thielen and Michael Floyd against the Ravens secondary, who hasn't really, I feel like, been tested. And they weren't tested against the Bears last week because the Bears have absolutely no one to throw to. But I would be surprised. I mean, I would just be generally surprised if the Ravens won this game. I think we kind of know where well, they it are could now. Be, it could be a 44 to seven game, just like. The- London game. It really yeah. could. This I mean, matchup is horrible. I'm not trying to be positive at all. I'm just saying, what would be more Ravens? No, I feel you. And I I agree with you, but I just have the feeling that this is where we know what we're getting with this team, and it's just not going to be a good matchup. And they're going to follow three and four, and it's just going to be another game where, on the schedule, where they, if they were healthy and they had, a, they have these slate of games coming up where they, you feel like if you looked at this team and they were healthy, they'd be able to win these games against the rookie quarterback, against a bunch of backup quarterbacks in the next four to five games. But from what we've seen, I don't even feel confident with that. I am I am going to go Ravens or Vikings 24, Ravens 17. I think we will get one offensive touchdown. I think it will be a rushing touchdown. I think Flacco will throw two picks, and I think we will get another touchdown, either defensive. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pick six for the defense or a fumble recovery. One of one of the two. Um, I, I think will happen. I mean, who knows? The, the Ravens, after they lost two games in a row, the devastating loss to the Steelers at home, they went on the road 
where nobody thought they would win, um, and they did win, but that was against a really bad Raiders defense. I think the Ravens won't have nearly as much success. Um, I do think it, the Vikings have much more of a chance of scoring more than 24 than the Ravens do of having uh, scoring more than 17 points. But anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up here on the Ebony Bird podcast? I could see 28 to 10 Vikings uh, if I if I had to bet money on it. That's what I would bet. Yeah, I was going to go like I'll go like 31 10. I think the Ravens will get a touchdown. But that's about it. I mean, I, I I don't want to make it sound like I think we're going to win. I just I, I I this is the frustrating thing the Ravens do every year. They they win a couple of games, they suck you back in, they get your hopes up. That's all the Raiders game was. I didn't expect to win that game even with EJ Manuel as the quarterback, and they got my hopes up, and then they crushed me. Well, hopefully uh, the Ravens will be able to find a way to win. But as we are starting to think, if they start losing, it might not be the end of the world if uh, change needs to happen. Again, you can find me on Twitter, con- uh, contributor for Ebony Bird, Jake McDonald at jmcdonald95, and our two site experts, Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's, and Chris Schiller, footballman58 on Twitter. We are Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter as well as ebonybird.com. Be sure to visit that and our uh, download our mobile app through the App Store. And subscribe to the podcast through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. So thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. Uh, we will see you early next week, early edition of the podcast, uh, before the Ravens get ready for Thursday night football against the Miami Dolphins. So we'll talk to you later uh, next week and after the Ravens play on Sunday again, 1 o'clock against the Minnesota Vikings on CBS. So enjoy the game. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next time here on the Ebony Bird Podcast. <laughs>